Welcome to the Diverse Minds Podcast, where we give you the tips, tools, and techniques you need to be a mentally healthy and inclusive leader. Each week, you'll hear about a variety of topics linked to mental health, well-being, and diversity that will enhance both your professional practice and personal well-being. Welcome to the 111th episode of the award-winning Diverse Minds podcast. And the focus of this month is about the diversity of Black experiences for Black History Month. And in preparation for World Menopause Day, today we're going to be talking about Black menopause. There is a real lack of diversity of information from media outlets, medical information, etc. The fact that very few high profile black women have shared their own experiences about menopause, that it's really important to focus on this. And to join me in doing this is Nina Kuypers, the founder of Black Women in Menopause. Nina noticed that she didn't have a place to discuss her menopausal experiences with other black people. It was as though black people don't go through the menopause. It was also evident that healthcare professionals were or are not trained in menopause, as well as the cultural element. So this makes the whole process that half the planet goes through even more challenging. Nina wished that she'd known more, and this is why she set up a safe, supportive environment, as well as providing educational events for Black people and people of colour to share their experiences and learn from professionals about menopause and the associated physical differences on how to cope with, for example, dry coarse thinning hair, polka dot skin, or dietary aspects from a Black professional or Black professionals. Her aim is to raise awareness of menopause, share experiences, and provide peer support, as well as campaigning for improvements in menopause management and treatments. Menopause is indiscriminate, and there is a significant amount of work that needs to be done to ensure menopause is inclusive and representative, and that care and education supports and reflects all those directly and indirectly affected by the menopause. This is why Black Women in Menopause is part of the Menopause Inclusive Collective Group. And Nina also has a particular passion for health and nutrition with a focus on evidence-based intervention, design, development, and implementation. She has over 25 years of experience in the health, exercise, and nutrition industry. So we are super delighted to have her on the show to talk not only about menopause, but the Black perspective on menopause. So Nina, a huge welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. It's a great pleasure, Layla, to be here today. Oh, we're just delighted. And I think, this you know, we said this is such an important topic, menopause, mental health, uh, culture, accessibility, support, all of that is going to be a really rich conversation today. Yep, you hit the nail on the head there with the two, menopause and mental health, the two mmms. And not the chocolate with our eyes. So Nina, what's been your journey then to your career journey and how you came to talk about, you know, being black, the, 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 I don't want to say issues, but the connection between being black and menopause. As you do on the, on the great worldwide web of the internet. So after scouring the internet, it's the images that I was greeted with was not what I was expecting. And it just seemed to be lots of white women with the heads in the hands, grey hair, you know, such a terrible time. And it didn't resonate with me on a personal level. And so those images and experience portrayed, for me, I kind of just didn't have a place to discuss with other black people about their experiences within menopause. And I know there are absolutely fantastic platforms out there However, it's having that cultural competent conversation as a black woman going through menopause. So there are certain 
elements or experiences through menopause that I don't think people always fully understand. So for example, when I'm concerned about my hair, the last thing I need somebody to say to me is, you've got a nice thick head of hair. Mm. You know, it makes the process that I guess half the planet goes through even more challenging because of those cultural elements and healthcare professionals aren't trained about menopause and then you add on those additional cultural barriers it just makes that whole process as I said even more challenging. Yeah and and, you know we know don't we the horrific statistic around black women and birth and maternal mortality rates and black women having five times being five times more likely to die um, in childbirth in the UK so if we think about the other end of it when our hormones are changing and when we're going through you know when when women are going through the menopause um, and then we add in as you say this other element and I you know you're talking about the hair of course um, it makes complete sense and people making judgments or saying oh, you'll be fine uh, but what people perceive as fine you don't feel fine in yourself and being able to have the space to talk about that yeah you know you said that there in terms of it's somebody else's experiences until you walk in that person's shoes and you tie their shoelaces it's very easy to judge and think oh well it shouldn't matter and you're coupling <laughs> And again, in terms of health inequalities, and ultimately for me, it's the first thing that you've got to recognise is is it's black, then it's a woman, and then it's menopause, and all of those health inequalities all in a mix and bowl together. It's trying to fully understand, and I know people don't always recognise, oh, it's not necessarily a thing, but when you view menopause in terms of the western view it's largely biomedical and at the end of the day that suggests that all of our symptoms should be universal but when you begin to try and untangle it's hard to ignore the possible interactions between social cultural and biological factors and those related to culture and diet do have a huge interrelationship in terms of link to the biology as well. So consequently, culture culture may influence menopause-related physiology and symptom occurrence as well. So it's trying to get people to fully understand from where you're coming from in terms of that. And yes, it is a biological aging process of all human females however we need to look at other multifactorial things that play into this journey as well Mm, so that whole idea about the holistic person also their values what shape them and I think you're absolutely right with diets um, how that helps and your point about it's in the west how it's seen versus other parts of the world and how it might be embraced or managed in a different way yeah and there's you know there's many different studies and they often say, oh, black women suffer more from vasomotor symptoms, but that study was done in America, which is, again, a completely different culture and environment to the UK. And if you look at research of menopausal women in places like Nigeria, then their symptoms are more prevalent in terms of having joint pain issues. So it there's a bigger factor than just saying, oh, well, such and such 
because of this. The, as I said, there's multifaceted variables that throw into the mix of menopause. How yeah. society views that in relation to aging and women in general as well. Mm, because of course, yeah, skin color is. <laughs> It's, it, it's it, I'm not, I'm not, this is not a throwaway comment, you know, in some ways it's arbitrary, but of course it's not because of the way in which it, so much deprivation and stereotyping has been shaped by that. But of course it's more than that. It's the environment around us and the factors. And of course, growing up in America and America's very big, Nigeria's huge, they're going to be different environmental factors, depending on where you live, how you live, um, you know, what you've eaten growing up, uh, all of those things. I think that's really, really important to remember that you can't just say oh all people from black communities will have this symptom um, as you rightly said um, so how did you then start black women in menopause uk like how did it all come about how did you get traction for it well originally i just think one sunday evening and i, I yeah because i'm not massive on social media anyway because of how it affects people's mental health so i decided that I'll just throw what I call a Twitter pebble out there into the Twitter world. That seemed to be the easiest platform for, for me to be able to navigate at the time. Um, and to, surely there's got to be other black women out there that are wanting to talk about menopause. And yet it's a bit like tumbleweed, very few. And I know more and more are beginning to speak about it and whether that's also a generational thing. I just felt as though, and I'm well versed in health, exercise, nutrition, because that's my background. So I feel as though I've got a, a, a basic platform of understanding the body and that may have helped mask some of my symptoms and also how my mindset and how I maybe don't always think in terms of how that affects my mental health because I think maybe I've had that additional step up of being knowledgeable about diet and activity and awareness of sleep so I just found it odd that there was no groups out there specifically for black women and as I said earlier yes there are great platforms out there but when you're having certain conversations it's still that initial when I stand up in front of somebody what do they really see and I would say the first thing that they see is a black woman and then you couple that with menopause which you can't see you know menopause is out of sight and therefore often out of people's minds they just don't fully understand there are additional Applications to our experiences. So I thought, well, surely we need to set up some form of safe, supportive environment where we can talk about it. And then what about providing people with free educational events for people of colour to share their experiences and learn from predominantly black professionals about menopause and the associated physical and mental differences and emotional differences and how to cope with so for example as I mentioned about concern about my hair so fortunate to get a black trichologist in to speak to the women from the group mm -hmm. I've had a black dietitian I'm going to have a clinical psychologist 
So it's just giving people the knowledge and the information so they can go away and have an informed choice. Not here to say, this is what you should do and go through this process. What works for one doesn't always work for another, but if they've got the information, then they can provide themselves with that informed choice to go forwards and make that next step. So it's about providing people with support and and eventually that that traction grew. Do you think that that stigma around talking about menopause for particular cultures is diminishing, or do you think people feel safe to speak about it in the confidential um, spaces that you've created, the safe spaces you've created online? It's. I think it's still we're a long way off. So it's funnily enough, we had um, a peer support group session last night, and we were trying to um, unravel why it is that we don't really want to talk about it. And as I say, I th- there's such a, a, a bigger element to it to try and think about, well, why aren't we talking about it? And even though we do have that safe, supportive environment, there's still something, what is it that's stopping? And that could be down to family. It, you, you know, there's so many things that we could just throw and say well it could be this it could be that so I think it needs to be a a bigger investigation more research on what what they need you know there as I said there isn't any research to date to be to be able to untangle race and ethnicity from socioeconomic factors or genetics or environmental influences on menopause so it's about being on the ground and asking those out there and in the group what is it, what would they like in terms of that peer support? Because the the events that I do, they are well attended, but when we come to do the peer support, they're not so much well attended. Mm. So, I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know without fully going away and <laughs> doing, more, doing more research. Um, but at the end of the day, it, for me if that provides a space for one woman Mm. then that's a job done because at least then the seed has been planted and how we nourish that lady's experience will then move forwards in her life and if you know in terms of her children and such and such it just begins to have a snowball effect yeah brilliant and so Building up on that, you know, if I could give you a magic wand, what would be your ideal vision for a culturally competent conversation between women from all backgrounds trying to understand each other and their menopause journeys? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Excellent question. That magic wand. I think it's to know that this is going to happen and it's okay to talk about it and that there are spaces that you can talk about it and share experience to give people confidence because a lot of women will not understand what they're going through and maybe associate it to something else and then being misdiagnosed (laughs) yeah it's a (laughs) i don't think it's going to be done in my lifetime Uh, well yeah you know i think we need to recognize at the end of the day there are people face considerable amounts of discrimination in every area of their lives and then that bleeds into and informs people's experiences within healthcare 
and it affects people's confidence. And if you think about it, not to mention the impact on their quality of life, it makes people less likely to seek or even attend healthcare appointments or access Mm -hmm. is sometimes maybe worse. And I noticed, as I said, I didn't have a place to discuss my experiences with other black people. It was as though black people don't go through menopause and in other cultures, you know, and I think there's also, when I say black, it's the same afro-caribbean mm-hmm. they're two different cultures african yeah. and caribbean and you've as we said earlier about diets two very different dietary needs that play into that so yeah that magic wand needs to last quite some time in order <laughs> for this to, to go forward so the assumption is that we are all the same Mm. Just as many people believe that menopause is the same for all those that go through it, there are, as I said, that considerable other factors as well as the biological perspective until we have more research on marginalised populations, then it's going to be very difficult to untangle that race. But in terms of healthcare professionals and more people coming out and talking about it will certainly start to tip that point and melt that iceberg or menopause iceberg. Mm, it's the acknowledgement, isn't it? I think, first of all, so that it's about equity, not not treating everyone the same, as you said, and knowing that people's journeys are going to be different, just as people's menstrual and fertility journeys are all different too. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. We need to acknowledge that there are ingrained biases and with a lack of information, it does leave people unsupported during menopause. Menopause is indiscriminate. Mm. And, and what about? So we we touched on it a bit. We touched on it at the beginning, but mental ill health, culture, and menopause. So, what do you think are the biggest challenges in not only accessing support for however you want to manage your menopause, but also the impacts on mental health and well-being? Um, and how could we be talking about that more? Well, you said it there, the the T word, we've got (laughs) to keep talking. We've got to stop with these stigma and taboo about mental health and menopause. Because if we don't just make it the normal narrative, then how are people going to appreciate and understand what people are going through? through you know we we need to think about what remedial things we would do in a situation and have a plan so if i cut my if i cut my leg we're fine to go to a doctor to see them in terms of to get that stitched back up but with regards to the thing above the neck the head we just don't recognize that it's okay to also see somebody about what's going on. We're very complex beings. So we need to proactively protect our mental health. But at the same time, we need to just fully understand the duty of care, that bigger picture, that we need to recognize that it is okay not to be okay. Not just the physical element, the mental element is such a huge, important factor. 
I think it can be easier to suffer in silence though, can't it, Nina? I think many of us might be used to that or we think no one really wants to listen. Who cares? No one else seems to be going through this. It must just be me. I better shut up and get on with it. Um, so yes, I, I, yeah, I think it's, it's great to talk, but I think even opening your mouth sometimes to talk about how you're feeling is really tough. So there's then of course I'm not denying the stigma in society, but we also put a lot of stigma on ourselves, don't we? Or we can do, depending on you know who the person is and their lived experiences. Yeah, and we need to try and foster and change that environment, instigate conversations, engage. And yes, you know I'm not going to say, oh yeah, I, I constantly talk myself. There are other things that I will do first of all. And it is hard because you think people don't want to listen, that you think people don't want to help. But again, if you, that's just that naughty assumption, you know, it makes an ass out of you and an ass out of them. <laughs> if, you, if you don't try and have that balance of scales, you know, scales of justice for your own health. And we do need to recognise that. And yeah, it, it's... It is. I think it's going back to basics and looking at other elements. First of all, if we think of it like an onion, we peel back. Let's look at other elements to how we can help and proactively keep our minds ticking over and then move to other elements and try and get people to rethink that just because when you've got toothache, you'll go and see a dentist but you'll go and have checkups unless mm. you like to have that pain. <laughs> Only when you're in pain, you appreciate, yeah, I probably should have gone for more checkups. And I think that's also key as well that we've got to recognize that maybe, you know, if we talked about, yeah, I, yes, I've got doctors, I've got a dentist. Yes, I've got a, a therapist that I like to talk to, but again, it's that stigma that's that culture and I think in time, the more we keep scratching away, again, I don't know if it'll be in my lifetime, but I'm conscious even with my son to instill in him, it's important to talk and what's up in this head that we cannot see. Who knows what people think and do and you don't want it to be too late. No, and that makes me think about perimenopause. Do you think with, um, you know, depends on generation potentially uh, but there's been more talk around perimenopause as well do you think that might help then on this journey for people talking more about um, menopause and um, how they're feeling mentally and also the discussions around covid itself the covid vaccine because of course if covid can throw your menstrual cycles out of kilter it's put people into early menopause um, now i don't wish that on anyone uh, and of course that the the vaccine mimics can mimic some of those symptoms in people do you think that can be a driver to help us talk about this a bit more could we use this as an opportunity i would say yeah you know <laughs> use anything that drives something forwards so yes it's it's important if people are being thrown into perimenopause earlier then we need to again recognize that there are things and educate and inform because we are well versed in the art of periods and and pregnancy but yet you know I'm 48 and I've been postmenopausal since 45 so I've got over half mm -hmm. my lifetime going through this 
And if I'd known, and as I say, I've been fortunate that my background is in health, exercise and nutrition. Maybe I've staved off some of the symptoms or I've just carried on. But if we make people more aware of, well, this can happen, and they say there are 34 symptoms, but I believe we know our bodies best. And when something isn't right, you're probably more often than not, you're right to understand that you're going through something physically, emotionally, and mentally. That perimenopause is that time leading up to menopause where we will experience many different changes. And it isn't just about irregular periods. It may be palpitations. It may be loss of confidence, poor concentration, low mood, difficulty, I was going to say swimming, difficulty sleeping. <laughs> that, 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 that could be, that could, you know, strange body odor, itchy skin, an increase in allergies and tolerances, um, digestive issues. So, yeah, it's certainly a, a, a driver to keep this conversation going. You know, we've got to check and, and challenge in order to change the narrative. Mm. And so what do you think workplaces can do to introduce culturally specific support around menopause at work? Um, there's been increased conversations around this. I think there are lots of organisations doing work, but they do, as you said, do tend to be centred around the white female experience. Um, so what are your suggestions? You know, what also if employers are working with employee assistance programmes, what can workplaces do to support this cultural element around menopause at work? It's their attitudes, their perceptions and expectations. We need to have an environment mm. that fosters where we can openly and comfortably instigate conversations or engage in discussions about menopause because it does not just directly affect those that you know identify as female, but it indirectly affects everybody else around them as well. Ensure that everybody understands what menopause is it i think it's important yes to have a policy but there's no good having a policy if it's not actionable so just because it's down in black yeah. and white we'll look at this we've got a 16 page policy but what are people actually doing are they educating and informing those around so managers about the potential symptoms what support can be in place if a, somebody is suffering from menopause symptoms do you have that environment that they feel confident to be able to discuss and ask for support are they able to have some reasonable adjustments that they can continue their jobs um i think they're gonna have to be careful because it is linked to the health and safety act mm -hmm. so we need to ensure that employers do have a responsibility to be committed to supporting the needs of their workforce. Yeah, and also the case in Scotland, so under the Equality Act, menopause can be come under a disability if it has a substantial adverse impact on day-to-day -day activities for 12 months or more, as was shown through that case. Um, yeah, um, and it's the same with mental health as well. And I think Unless you don't know, you don't know what to be able to challenge with. Um, companies do have a duty of care. They need to see the bigger picture. And the change in age of the workforce in the UK, 
the uh, it's significantly percentage of menopausal women. Mm. And and anything around the cultural aspect of it. So I completely agree with you (laughs) (laughs) around um, spotting signs. So actually when I do, I have some case studies and one of the case studies I have is, you know, someone in your team is is going through the menopause and often male managers will say, I would, I would check that she would, you know, that my female member of staff would want to speak to me because um, maybe they don't and we should have some menopause champions. So you do get these discussions, but of course, if I'm training them, they're the workplaces that are are wanting to embrace that. but uh, yeah, anything about culture specifically as well, thinking about, you know, Black Lives Matter, the ongoing movement, things have not so- been solved. We know that. Um, and how we can really integrate this into people's thinking. Like you said, you don't want a 16 page policy that sits on a, on the internet or on a dusty shelf um, or virtual shelf. So how could we bring this to life a little bit in the, on the culture side? Fantastic question. Culture race in workplace coupled with menopause i suppose it goes back to what i said earlier about having ingrained biases and we do need to recognize that so you know for example when england lost what did organizations do to support their black employees after coming in after England losing and then you got to take it from a woman's perspective of being menopausal and I I think people don't want to acknowledge that there are biases sometimes so Uh yeah (laughs) yeah it's a fantastic question that I think if we had to go away and what could we really do mm. to have that support have within the workplace where you can go and have that or instigate that conversation check in on people and um, when you throw in the word menopause in there for women then yeah it's menopause and being in indiscriminate education support is ultimately the key I, I haven't got an answer to it because it's a very grey muddled area I think Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know that's where I'm coming from in terms of a personal perspective it's easy to to say and do (laughs) rather Mm -hmm. than do I think I I, I don't I I really don't know because it goes back to that very beginning of what I said if I said to people, and we truly, we've all got unconscious biases, whether people want to acknowledge that, but what you really see if I stood in front of you, and I, I, this is what I believe myself, is you'll say black and then woman, and then everything else that comes after that, the menopause and things that happen from childhood all the way through because of racism and then mm-hmm. I think people dismissing how we feel and where you're overreacting where you're yeah. denying there's a problem and you're reading interest of statistics across health and education yeah yeah <laughs> it's, it's, it's big it's isn't it about, it's a- yeah, the ingredients there I don't know what is going to come out to be made what that cake will look like Mm, 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 mm. It's a different time the 
the ingredients of something will change and that cake won't come out what how it's meant to or how it should yeah yeah or, or it'll be i have a i have a phrase nina called icing the moldy cake um so there's a cake it's really gross and it's moldy and then people put beautiful icing on it and then you cut it and you go ooh. <laughs> so it can be that kind of thing can't it yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'd suppose that a different analogy would be you know you've got a leak in your bathroom and you just you you get the mop out, you mop it up and then something else and until it bursts, <laughs> mm-hmm. then, yeah, I don't, yeah, I've gone round and around about oh, yeah. <laughs> So just thinking about, you know, you, 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 this, this work that you do, the groups that you run, they are, you know, it's emotional and your own menopause journey. So how do you look after your own mental health, Nina? And what are your top three tips? Oh, wow. So I think... <laughs> that I have somehow proactively been protecting my own mental health unknowingly. And I'm grateful for that through the things that I've done through my life is activity, nutrition and sleep. And I've managed to cultivate somehow my own mental wellness. But then when I think about it more, then I need to take more time out to talk. And I should, in fact, and I said about this earlier, I need to fully embrace getting myself a therapist, whether I use them or not, but address the problem before that problem actually happens. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, proactive rather than reactive. Yeah. yeah. I think about the dangers and if we are proactive and recognize the signs because you just never know. Mm-hmm. So you've got the tools at, the, at your fingertips if you need yeah. them. Yes, got the tools at the fingertips. And yes, talking to friends. It's not always easier talking to friends. So talking to somebody that, that you don't know can also have, I, th- I think, an impact. So, yeah, my my three things are activity, being able to recognise and talk to others and have some form of therapist, psychologist, just like I do having a doctor at the surgery or, you you know, a boss at work. Brilliant. Thank you. <laughs> I was going to say, if your, if your manager's great, then that's brilliant, isn't it? I think <laughs> yeah, it's different for different things. Just because these are for me doesn't mean that they work for others. But, you know, find ways to decrease stress. Meditate, mm-hmm. you know, activity is my meditation. Mm-hmm. Sleep is a, is a massive thing for myself, a diet. So, yeah, I suppose other things. Yeah, talking and recognising and having somebody who is a professional to be able to, I probably would slide that in. Brilliant. Thank you, Nina. Really helpful. And so I'm, I'm very much hoping that people are going to be listening. They're going to want to join. They're going to know more about uh, how to get involved. So if people want to know more about the work and what you do, how should they contact you, get involved? And I will, of course, include the links in the show notes. So um, on email, blackwomenmenopause at gmail.com. You have a private and uh, public Facebook group 
black women in menopause on twitter blk menopause and on instagram black women in menopause as well brilliant and i know you've got some events coming up as well so i don't know if you wanted to uh um mention them so you've got give them a shout out yeah give them a shout out or if you want me to do it (laughs) so yeah we've got two events on thursday the 21st of october at half seven i was going to say british summertime but i think we're, we're past that now and that's pelvic floor session with a black specialist of looking at menopause and the pelvic floor and beyond um we've also got one in the 25th of november again on a thursday black menopause 101 with a black british menopause society specialist and then another event that will occur in january which will be the two hidden taboos mental health and menopause again with a black specialist clinical psychologist brilliant and you're also part these are these are all free there is no charge at all and they're bookable fire event brides on the black women in menopause thank you nina and you're also part of the menopause collective so i didn't know if you wanted to mention a little bit about that and how you uh, participate and what the menopause collective the aim is so black women in menopause is part of the menopause inclusive collective group and that's viewing menopause through all different camera lenses as i like to put it so it doesn't matter even though i say we're black women in menopause it doesn't matter who you are anybody is welcome to come along and i'd probably say menopause is just indiscriminate okay indiscriminate yeah yeah we just need to ensure that menopause is inclusive and it's representative and that care education support reflects all those that are directly and indirectly affected by menopause and that's why black women in menopause is part of the menopause inclusive collective group Thank you, Nina. That has been so interesting and a really great conversation and something I've been wanting to do for a long time, A, to talk about menopause and B, to talk about menopause from a black global majority female perspective. So thank you so much for your wisdom. Please, listeners, get involved. Check it out. You know, whether you um, identify as being in menopause or not, or, you know, it's, it's still really worth it for referral and to understand more. And we'll see you in the next episode where we're going to be talking to Talia Loderick, a money coach about global majority women, money and mental health. So until the next episode, we'll see you then. Thanks for listening to the Diverse Minds podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you access your podcasts from. You can also connect with me on Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn. Tune into next week's episode of the podcast where I'll bring you more insights on mental health and inclusion. Bye for now.